We abuse land because we regard it as a commodity belonging to us. When we see land as a community to which we belong, we may begin to use it with love and respect. My name is Stuart Richardson. Landscapes of Consciousness will highlight those who fight to protect the land, a sharing of hopeful visions and stories that bring us back to the land, a place that heals and replenishes us in a world that is in rapid transition. My hope is that we come to know we are a single whole with each other and nature, that when we hurt nature, we are hurting ourselves. I'm very privileged to have Tim Black on our show. He covers news, politics, race, culture, and events, and host of the very popular uh, Tim Black Show. Hey, welcome to the show, Tim. Man, thank you so much for having me, brother. I appreciate you uh, looking me up, and yeah, let's do it, man. Let's make it happen. So many, many people love Joe Rogan, but many people despise him, and it seems that you know, artists are leaving the platform or Spotify. People are criticizing him. Someone went and found all these clips of him saying the N-word and other inappropriate racial things. And they are really going after him. As an online personality, as a person of color, what is your response to this kind of attack against Joe Rogan? Well, first of all, you know, what I urge everyone to do is to take a step back and, and consider with the ramifications of what's happening right now, right? So Joe Rogan, you put it in perspective and context, this is the biggest podcaster in the world, okay? He's the biggest. It's not crazy for him to do 10 million, 12 million views or listens or downloads on a single podcast, on a single show. So that that is combined with Fox we're doing tonight on, say, you know, Tucker Carlson, their best guy, plus Don Lemon, CNN, Plus, you know, throw in a Joy Reader, throw in anybody else. I mean, the guy's numbers are phenomenal, and he's a loose cannon. So you got to shut that guy down because he's got too much power. You can't have a guy having that much power where all these people are listening and you don't get to control the narrative. You know, you, most people who have platforms that have any sizable interest are controlled by corporate media. They're controlled by corporations and, and the elite. So you got this, this guy. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is, NDIRE did not make that clip, bro. That clip been around for like three or four years, maybe maybe longer, five or six years. That clip's been out there. I talked about that clip three years ago when, when I first like looked into Joe Rogan. The third thing is it has been circulated by Democratic operatives. Like, like there's a super PAC, actually a legit Democratic super PAC. And I learned this from Brian Stelter on CNN. He's the one who said, yeah, it was, you know, it was a Democratic super PAC that made it go viral, but it's not doctored. So wow. you put all those things together, and regardless of how offensive, like, you may think his jokes are, um, and we could talk about that later as far as his jokes, because I have a take on that as well, you got to realize the powers at play. you got to look at what's happening. So when I looked at all that, bro, it was very easy for me to say, hey, I want no parts of taking this guy down. Not that I could, <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, I don't want to do the dirty work of the establishment because that's what this is, okay? I, I'm not going to say I agree with his stances on ivermectin or any other, you know, out there type remedies for the jab or COVID or whatever. I don't watch it. I don't listen to all of his content to make that judgment. But what I'm saying is I'm not going to be a part of hatcheting someone in the back who is independent, and he's independent. So I have to ride with that and say that I think that, you know, basically they're, they're just trying to get rid of him. 
Now, you know, I always say they don't have the First Amendment, so you can talk about the weather, you know? There's cancel culture is on rampant. Everybody wants to shut down and go after people. And can you talk a little bit about your thoughts? What about if someone is saying something that might be harmful to society or might be inappropriate for or hurtful to a lot of people what what is your perspective on the censorship or cancel culture well i don't think it applies to joe rogan's position because he's not being shut down by the government there's no one saying he can't talk what they're doing is trying to go after his advertisers which is something anybody can do like look i actually work for someone um <laughs> you didn't like what i was saying you know well actually i guess you could go to youtube Okay, you could go to Facebook and they have, you know, I've had videos demonetized where uh, I don't earn any income from those videos. Very few of my videos have been taken down. But when we talk about censorship, it's to me, censorship is when an entity bars you from speaking. If Joe Rogan was kicked off Spotify, he wouldn't be barred from speaking. He still has a platform. In fact, I think he got more views before he was on Spotify. What Spotify did was commodify what he was doing and make it an asset on their platform. So um, them people complaining about him, hey, that's their right. They have a right to say he's garbage. They have a right to say they think he's dangerous. He has a right to keep talking. Spotify has a right to cut him if they be, they deem that financially reasonable. I don't think they will. And yeah, I don't think it's a censorship issue. Now, if you were saying dangerous things, people take you to court for that. Alex Jones, you know, has been taken to court for that. Um, he uh, he said some things about the Sandy Hook, the, the horrible shooting we had here in the states, where um, right. uh, these kids went into school and they, they they killed some kids. And he said it was a hoax, and it took seven eight years, but they sued him and they won. So that's what happens. Like if if you incite a riot, uh, which we're dealing with now <laughs> with oh, no. the insurrection, if that's what you want to call it, um, you know there are legal ramifications for that. So. These are all different things. No one's no one's saying Joe Rogan is causing a riot or he's asking people to be violent or threatening the lives of people. At the worst, he's platforming people with ideas that are not sanctioned. And that's not the same thing as being dangerous, in my opinion. These are conversations that are being held all across the Internet anyway. These people are already talking. It's not like Joe Rogan is going to find people that, that aren't already um, bloggers or authors or have been employed by health organizations. They're right. just people who went and, and had formed their own opinions. So, yeah, I don't think censorship applies to it. I don't think it's as dangerous as people let on. And if you're going to, if someone says drink bleach, like like President Trump, and former President Trump told people to drink bleach to get rid of COVID. If you <laughs> listen to Donald Trump say drink bleach, Hey, bro, you're not for this world. You're not fit to live amongst us because there's a lot of crazy stuff on the Internet. You're not going to survive if you can't ascertain what makes sense and what doesn't. We have doctors. <laughs> if you have a doctor, go to listen to your doctor. Why would you listen to a podcaster who was on Fear Factor getting people to eat worms and, and, and rats and, and for money? That's what he did. That's why you know him. He's an MMA coach or, or judge. He judges how fast or hard people punch other people. He's not a doctor. Like, he's entertainment. If you look up Joe Rogan, the classification for his podcast is not health. It's not education. Yeah, it right. is comedy, entertainment, I, <laughs> just like CNN. 
For sure. The other day, a journalist seemed really proud of himself because he pointed out a factual error on Twitter. And I said, hey, man, congratulations. You did your job. When we read things, you should try to find peer-reviewed published sources and not just believe everything you hear in this world. And I'm 100% with you. Now, I want to change course a little bit. Uh, Nina Turner's running again for um, for Congress. She ran last time. And last time you were quite upset because the progressive left or the left in America seems to think, what's the sense of running in the Democratic Party? You can't do any good there. The party's corrupt. So they didn't really give her any cover. So can you speak out uh, or maybe give me your perspective on someone like Nina Turner running and what it means and, and why people should pay attention to that? Well, you know, let me clarify first off, brother. You know, my issue is, like, you don't have to support Nina Turner. You know, there are a lot of candidates I don't support. Like, I constantly get contacted by candidates to come on my show. And I don't, you know, I, if I don't vet them, I don't bring them on. There's a lot of folks who want to come on to get publicity, to raise funds for their campaigns and what have you. So that's not a problem, you know. Um, that's not the issue. There were people, people that were actively sabotaging, actively, you know, campaigning against her. Because she wouldn't run in their parties. So we have a couple startup parties. Uh, um, the mm-hmm. MPP party is one of them. Uh, movement, uh, People's Party is one of them. Um, and then the Green Party wanted to recruit her as well. So what people have done, what, what, I, what I had offense, what I took offense to is there were people that were actively working to undermine the campaign. And these are people that were formerly supporters of her and Bernie Sanders who feel jaded that Bernie did not walk into the, you know, the pits of hell for them adequately and defeat the system by himself, um, even though it took Obama making a phone call and, mm. you know, and rallying and rally all the Democrat establishment around, you know, against him. They still fought Bernie for not defeating that. So um, instead of saying that we did make some, you know, progress, they are, they're upset and, and bitter. And I understand it. I'm, I'm upset, too. But they took it. I feel they took it out on, on Nina Turner, who, who I've known. Um, and covered for the last five, six years, and she's always been consistent about what she stands for. If she wins and she goes goes to Congress, will she let people down? Well, if she does, that's when you pull support. Mm-hmm. You don't pull support preemptively, is what I'm saying. You give people an opportunity. If the track record fits, if she changed her rhetoric and she says, I no longer support Medicare for All, I no longer support ending uh, qualified immunity, I no longer support you know, uh, free college, uh, t- college tuition. You know, if she says, you know, I, I now support corporations in Wall Street and they are our friends, like, yeah, pull your support. But until that time comes, Right. Until her actions are are undermining the message that she ran on, you gotta you gotta trust somebody. So that was disappointing. I look at it like this, my brother. I said, mm-hmm. you know, if we win together, we win together. If we lose together, we lose together. But we should not turn on our, our very few allies and then and splinter the movement that we the momentum that we had created as a group. And that's what I felt happened. And I feel that there were some bad actors in it. And and it's unfortunate. I'm committed to economic, racial, and social health and racial equality, environmental justice, so I, I, I don't vote conservative. But then I'm left with the Liberal Party and, and, and the NDP, and, and many progressives in this country know the right kind of language, but when elected, it seems that not many things are cha- changing for the, um, for the lives of, of, say, First Nations people, and people kind of turn the other cheek, and they don't see anything getting done. So... What is your perspective on electoral politics and social change 
when it comes to people getting cynical that this, the rate of change is not happening in sync with people's expectations. You know, I, I agree with them. <laughs> I, agree to, I agree with them 100%. You know, last two elections, between you and I, Stuart, the last two elections, I voted Green Party. So I didn't even vote. I didn't even vote for a Democrat on the top of the ticket. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. vote for, you know, Clinton or or a Biden. So I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I I support third parties. We so badly need third party options. But in local elections, in state elections, where you have someone like Nina Turner running against a corporate tool who has you know been supportive of every neoliberal policy that the Democrats have ever pushed. Uh, someone who who um, you know cozies up to Joe Biden and says, "Hey, I'm I'm Joe Biden's, you know, I'm gonna be Joe, I'm gonna work with Joe Biden, I'm gonna do whatever I need to help Joe Biden get his initiatives." Like that's not advocacy for the working people. Mm-hmm. When you have that type of options on the table and there is no Green Party, when the third party of the third party that you're starting does that have ballot access? You have no option. Like there is no one else. There is Nina, and then it's corporate tools. And then there's the Republicans. So in a situation like that, that was a totally different thing. But as generally speaking, and I think that's your point, Stuart, um, mm-hmm. yeah, man, I understand the frustration. And I say we need to, we have to do both things at the same time. We have to work with what we have currently, and we have to build third parties and outside. And we have to work outside of electoral politics. I have kids, Stuart. Mm-hmm. I want them to have a better life. I can't just say, until things are perfect and the system is broken, I mean rebuilt, we're not going to get involved. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to participate in it until it's the way. Now, I have to try to get wins where I can. Black people are too far behind the system. We're too, the wealth inequality is off the scale. We are, we are 14% of the population and 50% of the homeless population. We own 2% of the wealth, mm. less than 2%, I'm sorry, of the wealth in the country that we built for free and that we've been in for 400 years. Jesus. These problems must be solved, resolved. I can't wait till we have an actual third party to make these changes. And For instance, back to Nina Turner mm-hmm. in, in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, where she's at, the poor section the black ta- of the black town, the poor section of the town, life expectancy is 20 years less than the white part of town. And these oh people, these progressives, don't like the fact that Nina Turner one time said universal health care instead of Medicare for all. I mean, that's, that's the, the level of, to me, cushy, uh, a limousine progressives, the porcelain progressive mentality where they're so fragile and focusing on things that, that hey, hey, working class black people, we ain't got time for that shit. I, you know, the people that I represent, we, we want some bread and butter issues, Stuart. We need to put food on the table. We need to live indoors. We need to be clothed. We're not at a point where we can be as as uh, <laughs> as, as as picky, I should say, as some of my counterparts. I heard someone the other day. I was listening to a podcast, and it made a lot of sense to me. I've never heard this, but I, he says, "Look, um, the poor people of the world, the people who are fighting for you know hand to mouth and paycheck to paycheck." They don't give a shit about climate change. They're just wondering where the next meal's coming from. And he says, I, I care about climate change, but if you really want to fix climate change and things like that, you have to raise everybody up to a certain level. And then those people will start caring. But in the meantime, they've tens of millions of people are just living paycheck to paycheck. And, and you just mentioned some stunning statistics in, in um, 
those districts. So we, we have progressives and we, we have a radical left. And how do we bring it together? Because I think the left is very fickle in like you're not pure enough to be left or you're right. <laughs> you're not you're not thinking the same way as me. We're very rigid that way. We're very controlling. So how do we bring that together? Well, go spend some time with some poor people, some people that are actually struggling. You know, change your perspective. You realize the, the, the urgency, the fierce urgency of now. Um, you know, I have people contacting me now. We got people in states where the sewage is backing up into the water and, mm. you know, the children are being poisoned. The level of cancer is way above normal in particular areas of Alabama, for instance, and in Fifth Ward areas of Louisiana, New Orleans. These are issues that are happening on the ground. These people, as you just stated, absolutely, they're not, they're not concerned with climate change. They don't know if they're going to be here. You know, entire entire neighborhoods have missing people at the dinner table, like real stuff. So we we have to realize that there is a lot going on. We we are right in our in our anger, right? We 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 have a point. I understand. I'm with you. I want to hold people accountable, and I say we should. But meanwhile, we gotta we gotta do both things. We gotta we gotta be able to walk and chew gum at the same time because time is of the essence, and people people are dying right now. You know, people are dying. So so that's that's what I try to tell progressives. It's not that I disagree with them. I, I want to have the same level of expectations of everyone. But, you know, these people are controlled by... We have to get money out of politics if we want pristine candidates. And until you can get money out of politics, it's always going to be a tug and pull, a push and pull uh, dealing with politicians. No, for sure. And um, I, I'm totally 100% in agreement with that. And, and I think we also should not just trust the Johnny-come-lately candidate that shows up at the door that you've never seen or heard of before that's making all these promises. I think we should, uh, maybe you want to speak a little bit about grassroots and knowing the candidate and, and knowing their history and who they are and where they come from, like uh, someone like Nina Turner. Um, what about the value in that kind of grassroots, like picking someone from us and not just uh, finding some random person to represent us? You know, I that's exactly... Stuart, that is exactly how I looked at it. But, you know, I had a, I had a long-form interview. I started to do, I think we need a black Joe Rogan. So I'm going to be the uh, <laughs> bro Rogan, right? And, and so I started doing these long-form podcasts. At least I tell any guest that comes on, we got to talk for at least two and a half hours, really three hours. Because I really got to get to know you, and you really got to get to know me. So I had a guy on named Marcus Furl. And Marcus Furl has worked on a number of campaigns. He worked on the Bernie Sanders campaign as the African-American outreach director. He worked with Stacey Abrams, and I, I don't know why, but I guess he needed the job. And I love him, but that's true. <laughs> and, you know, he's worked on other campaigns. He even ran for, ran for office as well. He corrected me because I was like you. We need candidates that you know that we can vet out. Candidates that we know. I, I'm like I need candidates that can talk. You stop sending me people that wouldn't even take a a, a speaker's class. Like you got to <laughs> take Toastmasters. You should be a better speaker than me. Like you should have certain skill sets. And Marcus told me he said, Tim, I've helped candidates run. Let me tell you, brother, you need someone green. You can teach them everything else. Get them before they become adulterated and infected with Capitol Hill. Before they become adulterated and infected with pol political mind states of where the money comes from and how to get more money. No, you want them new. He said, I'll take somebody naive with a good heart who doesn't know anything. And, and, and all they know is policy that they want, and that's enough with a story. And we can go from there, and I can, I, I'll be a buffer between them and the money people and the people asking for favors. 
So like, hey, I'm open to be I'm open to be educated. Mm. Uh, because I looked at it a totally different way. I thought we wanted people with experience, but he's like, once you become experienced in politics, you become very tainted because that's the nature of politics. It's like being in a working in a sewage factory. You're gonna get some <laughs> stuff on you. It's very. That's a very good point. I never thought about that. I, my first introduction to politics, I was a teenager, and I was taken on this little boat cruise around the bay with all these party people. And every, I couldn't help but feel everyone I talked to sounded so sleazy and corrupt. <laughs> I said, "Who?" I got off the cruise and I told my friend, "I said I'm not interested. These people are vile. I don't want. I don't want to be part of this." So, uh, yeah, get get to them before they're contaminated. In in a sense, I guess, just recruit recruit for that kind of person. And so, where do you see this uh, this whole thing going? You know, we, we we're kind of running to the end of the pandemic, and a lot of governments are opening up around the world. Some are just hanging on, and we got these elections around the corner. The midterms are coming. Everyone's saying the Democrats are going to get creamed. Where do you see this whole thing going? Well, first of all, I didn't know the pandemic was over. I didn't get my memo, but it looks like <laughs> they are waving the flag, bro. Look, my my little brother and my older brother both caught it, like in the last month. Oh no! And and my younger brother, you know, he had all the shots plus the plus the booster. So, you know, they're both okay now, but, you know, you never know how these symptoms affect you over time. So, hey, they didn't get the memo either because they caught it late. Oh, my God. Um, I want things to go back to normal very badly. I went to a store the other day, and I'm walking down the aisle, and I see a father walking up with his son, and they stopped all of a sudden. I'm like, what's wrong? What? You know? And, and I, then I realized I didn't have my damn mask on, so I turned around and put it on. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I feel bad, but... You know, so I'm I'm at a point now where sometimes I forget it's been so long mm-hmm. that, you know, we've been in this situation. So I want it to end, but I don't know if it's time yet. But yeah. I guess we're going to have to end once people stop wearing masks. You know? yeah. um, as for the Democrats, Stuart, I think they're going to get wiped out. Mm-hmm. I think they really are going to get destroyed. And you know what? I think they want to be destroyed. Mm. I think they don't like being in power because then they have to be held accountable. They like it better. When they can campaign, they want they want Trump back. Mm. Yeah, they want Trump back. Trump Trump's a great fundraiser, and if you're not in power, then no one can hold you accountable. You can just complain and send out emails. Nancy Pelosi can send out those emails at two in the morning, telling you we're almost there. We got to fight for our democracy. We mm. got to keep fighting. We got to keep going. We got to destroy Mitch McConnell. Maxine Waters can come out and and, and scream at the top of her lungs about, you know, battling Republicans at the supermarkets and at the drive through theater <laughs> or, or at their gas stations. You know, they can, they can do that. That's more fun. Who wants to be held accountable when people want to know why you didn't live up to your campaign promises? Yeah. Uh, Joe, Joe Biden doesn't want that, you know. He, and actually, I think he'd rather be riding in his Corvette, eating <laughs> ice cream, forgetting where he parked his car when he gets out, like going to the wrong house. <laughs> you know, I think that's what he'd rather do. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, petting, Sorry. petting the dog, you know, feeding the dog cat food. That's what he wants to do. I really feel sorry when I see Joe Biden fumbling around. You know, Trump, he's so hated. It's the only time if any if anyone in Canada is, has a Trump flag, every media outlet in the country will record it and repeat it. 
<laughs> so if you want it, if you want attention in Canada, just bring a Trump flag, and everybody will hate you, and and you'll make every every social media account. We we had we had one of our um, conservative uh, members put on a Make Canada Great hat, and and she was lamented for weeks. You know, wow. <laughs> in the media. <laughs> so See, you know what's funny about that, Stuart, is that that wasn't even a new phrase like that was he like dusted that off from like ronald reagan in the 80s or something like he didn't even create that he stole that too yeah i think the media loves it too when he's in power because their ratings just went in the toilet when he's not around you know they love to just hate on trump i think it has to happen at the local level maybe and i i think uh eventually we'll get back to normal and 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 we'll be okay but um any any parting words for listeners who are feeling a little worn down by the pandemic, worn down by the politics, and fearful of Trump twenty twenty four? What what best advice do you have to someone to to navigate this landscape? Well, all I can tell you is that uh, we're in this together. You know, treat each other well, hug your kids. You know, um, I recently learned that a great comedian by the name of Bob Saget mm. passed away suddenly at a hotel while he was on tour uh, that apparently the, the, the doctors say that it's, it appears that he died from a slip and fall, that he hit his head, oh, man. took some aspirin, went to bed thinking nothing of it, and never woke up again. So life is too flimsy for us to be too bogged down in the, you know, the machinations of a Trump or any of these you know, political parties. You know, um, do what you can with what you have and get involved locally, as you said, Stuart, and, and and just be glad for every day. Just be glad for every day. The fight the fight continues, and just know that Stuart and I are, are in that fight with you. Yeah, man. I I, I love you for coming on. And uh, how can people listen to your? You're on YouTube, but where else can people get in touch with you and and find out about your show? Yeah, I'm on t- um, timblacktv.com is my website. It'll point you to everywhere I am. But um, Tim Black, I'm on everything: Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, website. And, uh, yeah, I got a podcast called, called Pause with Tim Black, and I, I'm the realest deal, man. I'm the realest. I'm the biggest left independent media that's not taking corporate money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I tweeted out to, uh, to Rumble. Everyone's saying uh, Joe Rogan's getting $100 million if he goes over to Rumble, and I said, I'll, I'll go to Rumble for a million bucks. You can take my stuff off Spotify. <laughs> Hey, thank you so much for doing this. Tune in to uh, Tim Black show, and and you, and you won't you won't be sorry. So thanks again, man. You got us, Stuart. Thank you. You have been listening to Conscious Landscapes. To hear previous episodes, to find out about forest bathing, or come on a journey on purpose with us, please visit eco-awakening.com.